The St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, in partnership with Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network, presents a podcast for families in crisis. Hi, and welcome to a podcast with the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. My name is Anne DeSantis, and I'm the director of the foundation. And join with me, I have Mickey Kelly. He is the president of the foundation. We're headquartered in the Philadelphia area. And this is the Families in Crisis podcast where uh, we are making outreach to you, whatever that crisis may be. The foundation has done a lot of efforts for families and individuals affected by divorce and separation. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, whether you are affected by divorce or if you're a family who's gone through some other type of trial or crisis, uh, Mickey and I are both also involved in the pro-life movement. So we will be talking also about uh, pro-life, not only in the Philadelphia area, but beyond. Um, So welcome, Mickey. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here because uh, we picked a good topic. And I will say that Mickey was the one who came up with this wonderful idea for us to do a series on the Ten Commandments. And we decided together that it would be best to put the first three commandments together. And I'm just going to go ahead and read those so that we know what they are. So the first three commandments are, are number one is I'm the Lord, your God, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and serve him with all your heart. That's number one. Number two, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. And number three, remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. So let's start out with the first one, Mickey, again, that uh, I am the Lord, your God, you shall worship uh, me and I'm and, and me, you shall serve. So what would you have to say about that one? Well, I mean, I think it really speaks to itself because number one, you know, we shouldn't really be worshiping things like celebrities, athletes, whatever the case may be, because they're not the ones that are going to get get us to heaven. And I, I actually was like, you know, appalled that um, we had recently, we're just like, I think we we're pretty much processed with the uh, political season just passed and they were hailing some leaders for as being heroes. I'm like, or as gods or whatever i'm like are you kidding me are you kidding me if there is one god i want to worship that's the one who died for me and you period exactly and here we are at the end of march and we are uh in length of, yeah. and we are going to be coming into the easter season because this is this is pre-recorded podcast but we will be aired in march uh during lent so wherever you are in that lenten journey Um, putting God first in your life. And, you know, for all of us, Lent is always a journey of, you know, trying to stick with not only the sacrifices that we made, but also growing in our prayer life, right? Growing in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And that's what Lent is really all about in, in our coming closer to God. So what a better way than reflecting on that first commandment. Um, Mickey, would you have any other, uh, reflections on the first commandment in your own life? Well, I mean, I think was, there was like a point where I remember seeing people like, like when I was growing up, I remember hearing people like they were like they were all inspired. They're like um, thinking people like some like some big name pop stars or teen idols like the Jonas Brothers, Backstreet Boys, 
like they were like their personal idols like they were so like um obsessed with them and i was just like scratching my head thinking well where's jesus in all this because let's face it he, he should come first as opposed you know come first ahead of all of your you know your celebrity crushes and everything so um as for me like um i always remember it like i always remember like every time i wake up in the morning like you have i always remind myself hey i have to start my day and i have to put god in everything whether it's work whether it's my hobbies whatever the case is god is first and he's and as we were reminded in revelation he is the alpha and the omega the first and the last yeah, I think a relationship with God the Father is important with for all of us too, um, because th there's always the emphasis for for us, especially during Lent, right? That relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing more important. But also remember that God is your Father and that relationship with Him, and remembering how much He loves you and how much He provides for you. So if you are that family in crisis and you're thinking, you know, this has been a hard year for me over this past year. Where was God? And, and, and all of us ask that question at times, like why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? But we have to always remember that the gift of life is that first gift that we've been given by God. And you know, his commandment for us to love and serve him is really an honor for us, right? Because he is our creator. He's the one that loves us most. And I just found this reflection I thought I could read from Loyola Press uh, on the Ten Commandments in general. It says that the Ten Commandments were part of the instruction God gave to the Israelites in the desert. The Israelites saw obedience to God's law as a way of recognizing that there is only one God, recognizing the sacredness of God's name and reflecting the holiness of God. Obedience to the law was a sign of their selection as God's chosen people. Obedience to the law displayed their respect for one another as God's people, because one's obedience or disobedience to the law brought consequences. The Israelites saw the law as a matter of life and death. Jesus knew commandment to love one another as he loved us, and that's in John 13, 34, is rooted in the Jewish law as found in Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So I just thought I'd read that one because it's a good reflection on us uh, when we go to the Bible, right? And that's another thing that I think during the Lenten season, no matter where you are, I mean, here we are at the end of March, um, but taking the time to read Holy Scripture, because you can find the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 to 17, and it's also in Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 to 21. I know that Father Mike Schmitz had or has the reflection on reading scripture, Mickey. I didn't know if you were doing that or had anything to say about that. Uh, well, Father Mike, I mean, the fact is he, I'm sure uh, Fulton Sheen is smiling in his grave. The fact that uh, Father Mike, you know, made history being like the most, having his podcast being the most downloaded, even the most uh, listened to, you know, to kick off uh, 2021. That to me is very impressive. In fact, you and I actually had a had a little um, audience with him when he was in Philadelphia last year to give the annual uh, Cardinal John Foley lecture, and no question that we were surround we were actually in a uh, packed house, and this was just before, uh, you know, the the lock, the, like everything we endured, you know, weeks later after we saw him, but yeah. but he he does have a 
if I recall, I think on this, the Ascension YouTube page, he does reflect on the first commandment. Like every now and again, he will like take something apart and he'll break it down. But you know, of course, like with his um, with his video series too, it's like it. Uh, I'm sorry, I should rather say his podcast. You know, I mean, like this guy here is just like unbelievable. And if we're not, if you folks are not listening to his podcast, you know about you know the Bible in a year. You're completely missing out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Because anything that helps us to grow in our faith and, um, you know, the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, we, we are always trying to help to point people to resources of ways that they can grow in faith. And I just want to make a shout out that if you haven't visited our website recently, it's nonatis.org. And we do have a helpful resources page. And on that helpful resource page, we have something called outside resources. So there's a lot of different things that are listed there. In fact, we even gave a special page on our website to Father Mike Schmitz because our board was so impressed with the work that he's doing uh, about the mass, you know, just all of the, all the things he's done to teach people about the importance of uh, the holy sacrifice of the mass. So um, I have another reflection on the first commandment. It says that... Um, I'm the Lord, your God, thou, uh, thou shalt not have any strange gods before me. Now, this is from, believe it or not, Catholic dummies. I don't know if you've ever had that book before, but Catholic <laughs> dummies. But it says this commandment forbids idolatry, the worship of false gods and goddesses, and it excludes polytheism, the belief in many gods, insisting instead on monotheism, the belief in one God. The commandment forbids making golden calves, building temples to Isis and worshiping statues for Caesar, for example. And you know what? I think it's a good point for us to talk about that we can also worship people in our modern culture to a point, uh, or, or not even just people, things, events. Um, you know, we can get too obsessed with the things of this world that come between us and God. I don't know if you have anything to say on that one, Mickey, but I think that's something that all of us probably have struggled with at some point or another. And there's no question about it. In fact, also the one thing that kind of reminds me like Catholics in India are actually accused of idolatry. I remember there was a young man that came out to um, give witness to life um, when I go pray in front of the abortion. And he's part of this group called um, Abolish Abortion. And we were, I was like in the midst of praying a rosary and he was saying like, you know, idolatry is really a big sin against God. Well, I don't think he had really knowledge whatsoever of what Catholics do. I mean, of course, you know, and that's common, too, with uh, a lot of the, you know, the, there's a common friction between the Protestants and the Catholics. But, of course, keep in mind, too, you know, some of these Protestants that would, you know, accuse the Catholics of idolatry or worshiping, you know, Mary and the saints or whatever, they would wound up becoming some of the great defenders of the faith. Look to example, Jeff Cavins, um, Dr. Scott Hahn, you know, th th those people are like, you know, tremendous assets to the faith. You know, at one point, you know, they're accusing, accusing Catholics of, of adultery and everything. But now they're, it's like, it's almost like in football, like you're on the offense, you're trying to score or say there's a turnover or if you don't, you know, um, do something on like downs or whatever, then of course you're now on the defense and you have to, you know, defend the faith. That's right. That's right. Defending the faith is an important part of being a Catholic because, uh, especially in our world in this day right now. 
And if you're a person listening to this podcast, because this is our Families in Crisis podcast, and when you're going through a suffering, sometimes it's hard to see where God is working in your life. So just remember that the foundation is here for you to help guide you, uh, to help to give you a good, solid catechesis. But also we offer spiritual accompaniment and you can make an appointment with one of our Mercedarian friars to talk about things in your life that you think you need some help with in the spiritual realm. Uh, all you need to do is go to nonatus.org. So I just want to mention that. And of course, we're going to mention it again. But for the for people who kind of question, you know, where was God when this happened in my life? And uh, the point of it is, is that God loves you and God is there for you, no matter what you have been through. Um, now, Mickey, you're also very heavily involved in the pro-life movement in Philadelphia. And you've learned so much about families in crisis. I didn't know if you had anything to share about what you've learned about people who are in bad situations and how they can find Christ uh, in their lives when they're going through that. One of the important things I could mention when that happens, because I have seen that some houses are divided when there's news of pregnancy. And most of the time, it's the, the mother who like, you know, does it out of wedlock. And of course, I think we've kind of forgotten about, you know, the virtue of, of chastity. Of course, you know, we just passed Valentine's, uh, we just passed Valentine's Day not, uh, not too long ago. Of course, I, in my opinion, I think Valentine's Day is every year because we have to show love to our neighbors and enemies, which are practically the same people. But the one thing I could say I could offer is, number one, find someone that is devout in their faith, someone that you can trust. That may help you, especially during like a, a time of crisis that would be like Elizabeth, you know, that'd be welcoming you with open arms. And let's face it, you know, there is that there is that someone in your family that is willing to offer you the shelter, that is willing to greet you in haste. And also the fact, too, they want to help you, you know, welcome that baby child, the child, your the precious gift in the womb. You know. You know, to carry them, to, you know, you want them to be, um, you want that, that baby to be in existence. And it, it's really, it really saddens me that, you know, the family is the, is a new, is the, the family is the, the countercultural solution to a very broken society. The family that, you know, as we, as we were reminded by Father Patrick Payton, that family that prays together, stays together. And if I, I, I would like to add too, like the family that loves each, loves each other will love the entire world. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Um, and you're right about the family. And that's why in this foundation, we call ourselves for freedom, family, and faith, right? Because freedom is important, family, and then sticking to your faith through prayer. And what a better time than right now with Lent. Mm -hmm. And getting sure. into some really good habits. I do want to say, and I love the the three F um, acronym right there about the mission of um, of the foundation. Although I don't, I don't know if anybody had that many Fs on their report card, which I, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So, uh, well, I think we unpacked the first commandment pretty well. Of course, we're gonna we can review things at the end of this podcast, but I thought we could move on to that second commandment. And I have that it is, you shall not take the Lord your God 
his name in vain. Now let's talk about what that means, Mickey. I didn't know if you had anything to say on that. What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, well, we a moment ago we talked about Father Mike Schmitz. In fact, he has a very good um, video on it, breaking down the difference between you know when you say the Lord's name and there's like nothing like coming after it. Then if you say, you know, Jesus help me or like you know, you know if you if you like. So the basic difference is if you use his name, like say for like a prayer, then you're okay. You know, it's, it's a form of prayer. Like, you know, um, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, or Jesus Christ is risen today, which we'll be singing, we'll be singing that during Easter, assuming, you know, we're allowed to, or we can do it, you know, during the middle of like a uh, mass mob and, um, on Easter Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but if you still say things like, um, like, like uh gosh well you know I, i'm not sure if it's like i mean i'm just trying to be careful like how i phrase it but if you say things like gosh darn it well of course you know the swearing version of it um so like basically like if you're gonna say the name of jesus just make sure it's in prayer not in vain because if you do say it in vain you you it does violate the second commandment and there are like other forms of it too um so i mean that that's basically it i mean like when you say the name of jesus make sure it's in prayer or in deliverance rather than you know as a way of swearing to people no i i I agree with you completely and i actually just pulled up an article from aboutcatholics.com on this and giving them credit for writing what i'm about to read but it says that Uh, that even today that it still holds true that God asks us not to refer to him in blasphemous ways. It is a sign of respect to our Lord to respect his name as he loves us infinitely. It is a simple gesture to watch our tongues and not use God's name in a profane way. We are certainly allowed to say and write the name of Jesus. God has made himself present to us in the incarnation, and that presence allows us an intimacy with God that was unheard of before. However, we still have a solemn obligation to treat the name of Jesus with respect. I mean, I think that's very well put. Mm-hmm. That's, For sure it is. It's an awareness too. I don't know, Mickey, if you've ever been around people, and I know I have in my life uh, in situations where people will say Jesus Christ in that way of like a curse word, like mm-hmm. as if, why did this happen? Or, oh my goodness. Instead, they'll I say, have my... I have my fair share with that, um, and believe me when I tell you. In fact, um, I mean, of course, like, like, granted too. Like, you know, sometimes like people don't even realize, especially like if, like, say, like, I mean, oftentimes like they would say like out of like if they're frustrated over something or if they got scared. They mean sometimes like you know they don't really stop and think, but of course, like too, like, you know, let's face it, like, you know, sometimes like it's like a split second decision. Like you could have said like this, or you could have said, holy cow, or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's good. Uh, good, good reflection there. And on that same article that I just read from a second ago, it says that the simplest way to avoid disrespecting the name of God is avoid using the words God or Jesus as curse words. If you are already in the habit of doing so, maybe difficult habit to break. Still, it is possible to change our habits, even if it takes time. In the meantime, the sacrament of confession is available for us to obtain forgiveness. 
That sacrament also gives us strength and grace to resist the sin in the future. I think it's pretty much a habit thing, isn't it, Mickey? I mean, it's it you, is, and it's, it, for most people, it is a it's a challenge to break. But of course, like, and of course, like one of the things that like if we can learn from Lent is, you know, like when when they say fast, like they think like it's about like food or anything, but it's something a little deeper, and it's like. When we fast, like one of the things that suggested to fast from it's from cursing, even swearing too. Like, you know, like he's like, like, you know, fasting from saying like the F bomb or, you know, saying um, the S word, you know, like what you do, like when you go to the bathroom or whatever, or the B word, like I'd say, especially like if you're saying it toward like, you know, describe, you know, somebody, you know, of course, there's like a long list of those things, but we're, we're not going to break them all down or anything. So, <laughs> you know, right, just exactly. like, you know, just like in, in place of those, like say something a little charitable or just shut your mouth, period. Yeah, that's, they're all good points. And I just want to read off a couple more suggestions that I have here from that same source about Catholics.com on using God's name in vain. It said there's other things to avoid if we're avoiding disrespecting God's name. Swearing falsely by God is a form of blasphemy. If you still call upon the name of God in an oath and you break the oath, you make God out to be a liar. And that's in 1 John 1.10. This applies whether you're stating a formal oath like saying, so help me God before testifying in court or an informal oath, such as I swear to God, I didn't cheat on that test. The Bible says that when we swear falsely by the name of God, we profane his holy name. That's in Leviticus 19, 12. I think it's good for us to think of the different ways that that commandment uh, can be broken. You know, just to think about the different ways. Um, and just one more here I'll read is that another misuse is to do evil in the name of God. The catechism states that it's a sin to use the name of Jesus to cover up criminal practices, to reduce people to servitude, to torture persons or put them to death. That's in the catechism 2148. Doing things such as these will give a false impression of who our God really is and defeats our mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the ends of the earth. This is therefore doubly sinful. We profane the name of God and make his character more difficult to know. And we use our faith to justify the great crime of harming others. Uh, now, again, I'm going to tell you where you can read this article. It's about, about Catholics.com on using God's name in vain. So I think they're pretty good, Mickey. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't know if you had anything else to add on that note. Well, it looks like you, we, I think we covered it all. So we really covered everything about it. I mean, of course, like, you know, of course, I, we also agree that it's a, it's a bit deeper than just like, you know, saying like, don't say JC or, you know, gosh, darn it or whatever it is. I mean, it's something a little deeper than that. But of course, you know, you broke it down from scripture and of course, you know, the Catholic catechism. Yeah. And also I would just recommend to everyone to do go and, and read the Bible, right? Go straight to the source, go right to Exodus 20 uh, versus the father, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No, you're right. You're right. Exodus 22 to 17 and Deuteronomy five, six to 21. And Mickey said that father Mike Schmitz even has a special video on this very one, this very commandment on taking Lord's name in vain. So, um, you can also Google that and, and take a look at the video that's there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot there to unpack for all of us. Um, you know, and I think all uh, Mickey, I think you can understand this as well as myself. I've been in situations personally where I've been with family or friends where people are using that in front of me and it does, it does bother my heart. And what I sometimes do is under my breath or in my head, in my heart, as I say a prayer, when that happens, you know, I say a prayer when I hear uh, Jesus's name in vain or God's name in vain, uh, or even when you're watching a TV show or something, you know, or, 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 or some other uh, media when that happens. Um, because, you know, what we're exposed to does make a difference inside our heads, hearts and habits, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I For think sure. when we when we're when we hang around people who are talking like that, uh, or family members. I mean, in my own home, uh, thankfully, with my husband and my two daughters, we don't really speak that way, so it doesn't happen very often where someone will use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, and if it does, you know, one of us will say, "Hey, watch it" or something. So uh, I think it's easier to do in your own home than it is, though, if you're out with a bunch of friends or uh, in a social setting with a group of people. Mm-hmm. But I think just saying a prayer about it and leading by example. What do you think about that, Mickey? I mean, I, I think that leading by example with that one is, is an important thing for all of us to do. So um, mm-hmm. let's move on to the third commandment. And that is to remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Now, this is an important one, I think, uh, especially in light of what we've all been through this past year with the coronavirus pandemic and in many dioceses and archdioceses throughout the country and even in the world, uh, mass, the the obligation to attend mass was lifted. And I don't know by the time this podcast airs where we will be because we are actually taping this in February and it's airing in March. So maybe things will change by then. I didn't know if you had any um, comments on that, Mickey. Yeah. You know what, Ann, you actually do. You actually, actually did remind people that for many dioceses, there is, there has been a lot of um, um, obligations lifted. However, if I were actually the bishop right now, I would say, oh, because as a matter of fact, I think at the time, as you were mentioned, as I think Detroit is uh, telling people to start going back to church, which I think is a bold move. And the reason being is, is that, you know, I think there are some members of the clergy, and I hope more follow this, um, follow this lead, is that many of them, you know, as we're trying to, you know, put this whole pandemic in rear view, you know, and it also is as a, as a way for us to reflect and to be a little stronger in, in any way, shape or form. I would say if you're conflicted and if you live in a diocese that has lifted your, like your Sunday obligation, I would suggest you go. Now, should I go virtually or should I go in person? Well, let's face it. If there is the if there is the in-person option available, go. Why? The reason being is you need to tangibly experience Jesus in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Now, 
I have appreciation of technology and everything, especially when we needed something to get us through the 10 weeks of the lockdown for many, for most of us that were able to start going back by the, the, by the end of spring, summer last year. But I still advise that if you want to get the most out of mass, and let's face it, technology can be very distracting if it's not used prudently. I would say you get away from the screen and you go to mass yourself. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, I can understand, you know, virtual mass if, A, you're sick, B, you are in the path of the bizarre weather patterns across the like certain parts of the nation most of you who have never experienced it before let's face it and another thing too is you know jesus is real he's not virtual he wants you to be physically present in him and jesus did not have computers you know we had the last supper you know he had the last supper with 12 well I, I, would, I don't want to count uh, Judas Iscariot, but 11 faithful people that stood with him. And many of them were martyred for sharing his word, even though they were told to stop. Also, the other thing I do want to add to this is that, um, is that you know, in order for you to co- completely fulfill that commandment, it's not just only go to mass on Sundays, but also holy days of obligation. Now, most dioceses are different. Some actually w- would observe um, feast days such as the holy days, such as Ascension on the Sunday before Pentecost. So you have no choice, but you have to go to Mass then. But for others, they do it on the 40th day of Easter. So 10 days prior to Pentecost. Either way, get to Mass. You also have the Immaculate Conception in the United States, which is on December 8th. And she is the patroness of the United States of America. And that to me is a pivotal, is an important feast day to attend mass. And then you also have August 15th, which I assume you all know what that is, no pun intended, the Assumption. And that's another feast that I believe some dioceses do it like that Sunday before or others do it on the exact day, regardless of the case. You're encouraged to attend Mass. Now, there may be talks of another holiday being thrown in there, but we'll never know. Oh, and I also, also mentioned Christmas. Get to Mass. The Solemnity of Mary. What better way to kick off the new year but to go to Mass? Do it. And the other, the other thing, too, that I, I also like to add is the one, my, my biggest pet peeve then is after everyone receives communion, and they walk out of church, they think it's over. Guess what? It's not. The only way Mass ends is when you hear the words, go in peace or go and proclaim the gospel to every living creature. That's when the Mass ends. And I think also, too, we see this ourselves. There are many Catholics that haven't been properly catechized. And this is this is really the tip of the, the tip of the iceberg as far as mass attendance. They may think, oh, and, and I call them Judas Catholics, by the way. They're not actual Catholics. They're Judas Catholics. But I hope those of you that have been walking out of mass after receiving communion, I hope you understand this. This is not to judge you. But if you want to fulfill 
that's that Sunday obligation. When you go to mass, I suggest you stay, you stay in the pew, you stay in the church from the beginning until the until you are dismissed by the priest when he says go and proclaim the gospel. Then you can leave. Yeah, well said. And it is an important thing for us to really partake in the full mass. And that includes, as you said, you know, staying. Right. And what better time you receive communion and you pray you, after you've received Jesus into your whole body and soul is that you don't rush off. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and you know what, you know, and we have a virtue called piety. And um, there have been some saints that have been very pious, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, I look at the example of St. John Paul the Great, despite the fact that he was frailing towards the end of his papacy, he still managed to, you know, belt out a Ave Maria or a Salve Regina every now and again. And if you ever get a chance to YouTube those videos, I would suggest when you do, blast it. Even if you have to upset a few atheists, go ahead. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, like he was still bailed out. St. John Vianney, he is known for his piety, especially when, of course, I, and of course, there's a story that he would hear 5,000 confessions, I, I think, for a day. And that to me, it's like, and also, too, like, you know, piety is not just like, well, I also, it's all another way for saying reverence. So you receive communion. Why are you rushing to leave? And then when you get back to your pew, and I'm hoping you're kneeling until the tabernacle door is closed. Now, I have seen some people that kneel even though the tabernacle door is closed. Now, I do encourage that. But if you want to develop that over time, do it. And also, too, like, and of course, you know, we're from we're in the Philadelphia area. And I mean, how many times like we took a moment to listen to people when they say their responses. Like during mass and oftentimes like. Maybe you just want to listen to the person next to you and just say like how fast they are. In fact, I, I actually noticed it like my dad, like he would say things pretty fast. I'm like, dad, slow down, will you? <laughs> but of <laughs> course, like I was kind of picking up that habit myself, but then I just realized, and of course, I remember Archbishop Charles Chaput, he gave, um, he actually gave, he actually mentioned this in his homily because he noticed the difference between Philly Catholics and those in the Maya city of Denver. The thing with the Denver Catholics is they take their time when they do their responses. Whereas Philly, and of course he was in the culture shock, of course, there's no no debate there. He actually noticed how fast Philadelphians talk. And there are times like I can talk too, like if I'm on a roll. But then there are times like you have to remember to slow down. And that's really what piety is all about. It's like, you know, taking the time to acknowledge like, hey, you just received Jesus. He's present in you now. Take the time to be thankful. Absolutely. No, so well said. And you made a point, too, that being catechized means really being able to appreciate your faith and Mm -hmm. being able to exercise those virtues. Like you said, piety. And some people might have a negative connotation of piety and thinking that it means that you're sort of stuck up about your faith or that you're holier than thou or something. But no, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that inside of your heart and your soul that you reverence God uh, as much as you can, especially when you are in the presence of God, right? At, at mass, 
and in prayer. And what better way to do that than when you do attend mass. So thank you. And I think it's important that we really think about what the third commandment means to us. Um, I happen to have open right now, Vatican VA, uh, Life in Christ. Now, if you want to see where this is exactly, I'm going to read a little bit. Um, it's around number 2168 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And in Article 3, it says that the third commandment is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. And I'll just read a little more. It says um, 2168, the third commandment of the Decalogue recalls the holiness of the Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. I think it's also good and important for us to recognize that not only does it mean, you know, obviously going to mass on either the, the eve of Sunday, right? Saturday evening or Sunday, but it means that we shouldn't be working too. Now, mm -hmm. with that said, we know that there are people who are in jobs that are one of those jobs that they have to work on a Sunday and there isn't any choice. I didn't know if you had anything to say about that. Well, I mean, I, I understand there are some jobs actually that do require you to work, such as like if you are a, you know, if you're a doctor or a nurse working in a hospital setting, then, you know, you, I mean, I, I think now they're starting to have some um, shifts where like you can work like Monday to Friday or whatever, and then you get like basically like the weekend off. But of course, now they're experimenting with uh with robots too so maybe there is a little bit of hope in the world but i mean i don't want to jinx it or anything so right um but i also would say just those of you that maybe are struggling to uphold that number one you know my my statement actually i'm just so you all know just a disclaimer we're not trying to condemn you or anything but we're just reminding you of your the the, the faith you were taught and there was a flaw from the your upbringing, or like a bit of like a bit of like a a gap. We're filling it at this very moment. My suggestion mm -hmm. is number one. I would say to those of you, just you know, keep looking for an employment that would give you that flexibility where you can attend mass. You know, as if you're single, you know, go to mass. If you're, you know, dating someone, you know, make sure you attend mass, you know, as like a dating couple. And of course, two families, you know, I made the point earlier about, you know, you know, in order for the family to be fully alive in today's uh, society, they, you know, they need to place God in the center of their, of their family upbringing and even their, you know, their faith journey. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, because when you say fill in the gaps, I mean, that's part of what the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation is all about, too. And of course, on this podcast, we, we don't mean at all to sound like we're preaching, <laughs> although I know we are doing a little bit of preaching, aren't we? But the point being is that uh, we are here for families in crisis. And, you know, sometimes when you go through something, whether it be a separation or a divorce in your family, whether it's you or somebody that you know, or even if you're an adult child of divorce or child of divorce, uh, sometimes those things can draw us away from our faith, unfortunately. So we're just bringing and drawing these things to your attention 
because these are all things that will help you to grow closer to God, right? And, and develop your relationship with God, because that's going to help you to be, live a better life. And you know what? It's going to help you to be happier too. It will help mm -hmm. you to live a happier life. Now in the mm -hmm, catechism sure. uh, 27, tw excuse me, 2176, it says the celebration of Sunday observes the moral commandment inscribed by the nature in the human heart to render God an outward, visible, public, and regular worship as a sign of his universal uh, beneficence to all. Sunday worship fulfills the moral command of the old covenant, taking up its rhythm and spirit in the weekly celebration of the creator and the redeemer of his people. So I think it's just a good point to remember that, yes, all these things are scriptural. Yes, they're all in this catechism of the Catholic church. And there's also some practical ways that you can live it out. So yes, it, it has to do with getting to mass on Sunday. And it has to do with also refraining from unnecessary work. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about for you, for me, that means, am I going to clean my whole house on a Sunday? Am I going to do all kinds of laundry and be exhausted? Am I going to decide to paint a room or something on a Sunday? Mm -hmm. And what I try to do in this house, in our family, I'm not saying that we don't struggle with that. We struggle with that because there's always going to be a line with what is work and what's not work in this house. If that makes any uh -huh. sense. Do you, I don't know if you had any opinion on that one. Yeah, that's, that's very, that, that's a good point. And I, I mean, well, I mean, I can understand if you have like people coming over, you know, for let's say um, for dinner, maybe you want to get some of the work done, let's say the night before. So like clean the bathroom or doing things like, um, you know, making sure you got like uh, the group, like, you know, you get the food, you know, for the, um, you know, for the, uh, for the feast as well. So that's like, I can see parts right there. As a matter of fact, those of you who want to work in the fast food industry, I would suggest you work for Chick-fil-A because you work Monday to Saturday, period. <laughs> but back <laughs> on topic. Um, my, uh, one of the, another thing too is, you know, that like you, you made the point about cleaning you know, like, you know, get some of those done, you know, let's say like a Friday or a Saturday. I mean, let's face it, like Saturday is like, you know, sun, I, I kind of consider it Sunday light, you know, and Saturday is like, of course, like, and also too, like Saturday is like, typically a lot of people are running errands too. You know, you'd be going to like, let's say like the malls. Well, I'm not sure many people are doing it, you know, as we advance down the road, as we navigate a, maybe a post COVID world or whatever. But um, that or they could be people that are maybe visiting, you know, relatives or even friends on a Saturday, you know, get a cup of coffee or uh, getting something to eat or maybe just trying to take in the Saturday night um, nightlife or whatever, you know, the closest town from where they are. Um, so I, my, my, I would definitely encourage, like, get the heavy cleaning done on Saturday. And then the only thing you have to do like on Sunday is maybe like run the vacuum or something, you know, on the carpet or whatever. And then, you know, just do like, you know, like um, also to like, as far as like uh, back to the food here for a moment, also to like with the food, maybe you, if there's something that probably would, might take a long time, but maybe you want to cook it the night before. And then all you have to do is like, you know, put it in like the oven, like the next day and then boom, you're all ready to serve. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the catechism doesn't go into detail about whether or not you should vacuum on this, that or day. So 
Uh, we don't want to get too, you know, detailed about telling you what to do, right? But I think Mickey's giving great suggestions. Really, I mean, they're very, very good suggestions. I mm -hmm. think the point well, being is where's your heart, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, are you working too hard? You know, we all know when we've re reached that exhaustion point, right? I mean, if you're to a point of making your Sunday into what your Saturday should be, does that make sense? Or what another day of the week where you're working, I think that's where the line would be drawn is that uh, it's for your own, it's for our own good, isn't it? Isn't it for our mm -hmm. own good that we have that day to rest? Um, and especially for people listening that are, are a family in crisis, wherever you are, if you're affected by divorce and separation, if you are uh, someone else who's gone through some kind of family tragedy or crisis, uh, you need that day. You need that day for, your, for yourself. I know we all have that to-do list, right? And that can be difficult when you have a long list of things you have to do before the end of the beginning of the next week. Um, but, you know, with God's grace and with God's help, we can live our lives the best that we can for this particular commandment. Um, the Catechism 2185 says on Sundays and other holy days of obligation, the faithful are to refrain from engaging in work or activities that hinder the worship owed to God, the joy proper to the Lord's day the performance of the works of mercy and the appropriate relaxation of mind and body family needs or important social service can legitimately excuse from the obligation of Sunday rest. The faithful should see to it that legitimate excuses do not lead to habits uh, prejudicial to religion, family life, and health. The charity of truth seeks holy leisure. The necessary of ch charity accepts just work. I think that's great points they're making. What do you think? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, too, like, you know, like, you know, there's a reason why God stopped creating the world in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And same thing with Chick-fil-A. You know, they they do the pleasure of serving customers from Monday to Saturday. And on the seventh and on the seventh day, they just rested, you know, watch baseball, football, whatever it's going on right now. Well, of course, at this as we we're um, doing this podcast, of course, everyone's trying to gear up for baseball season and hopefully some warmer temperatures. Let's face it, I'm getting tired of this whole uh, cold spell here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you've made, Mickey, some wonderful points about this third commandment. And there's one more thing that I just found in the catechism that I thought I'd read. It's number 2195. It says that every Christian should avoid making unnecessary demands on others that would hinder them from observing the Lord's day. Now that brings me to a story in my own life. I thought I'd bring up is um, there have been times when I've been asked to work on Sundays. Now, not my, my job with the foundation. I'm not referring to that. Uh, I mean, other jobs that I've had in the past before being the director of the St. Raymond Onatus foundation, uh, different times in my life where people have asked me to do, things that were more related to work, if that makes any sense. And in that catechism uh, passage there, it's saying that we shouldn't be making demands on others that would hinder them from observing the Lord's day. So just to keep in mind, um, to always remember to leave people that option that when we invite them places, um, and I remember in my own life one time being invited to uh, something that was going to hinder me from morning Sunday mass because I wasn't able to make it on Saturday. 
And I had to tell the person, no, it was a leisure activity, but um, uh, someone who invited our family to do something. Does that make sense? Like, so it's kind of like, we always have to remember not to um, hinder someone else too from their obligation to attend mass and also to rest, right? God wants us to rest. He wants us to enjoy the life that he's given us. And that's part of why this commandment was made is so that we can make the time to uh, spend time with the Lord in prayer with our families and resting on that seventh day. Um, I thought we're headed toward the end of the podcast. I thought we could just read through what we're going to unpack in the upcoming podcast. Now, this is the Families in Crisis podcast. We're the last Thursday of every month. So I would ask you to please subscribe to Philly Nonatis on YouTube. You're probably there right now or listening somewhere else. And when you subscribe, make sure that you also get the notifications so that when we do have a live podcast coming on, you'll know. So we are always on at 8 p.m. Eastern, the last Thursday of every month. So we will be here again in April, the last Thursday. Mickey and I will be doing the next commandment. Now that that next commandment is number four, and that is to honor your mother and father. And then we have number five after that, which is you shall not kill. Number six is you shall not commit adultery. Seven is you shall not steal. Eight, you shall not bear false witness. Nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And 10, you shall not cover covet your neighbor's goods. So next time will be commandment number four when we meet again. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, we got a lot of good things coming soon. Mickey, did you have any final reflections before we end in a few minutes uh, on the first three that we did today? I think we covered it all in, um, but basically I would just say uh, for those of you that are not putting God at this uh, first and, and foremost in your daily life, um, take that first step into, you know, making him the focus. You know, when you get up in the morning, thank him for giving you, for helping you give you this new day. Um, as far as, you know, avoiding the, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain, whenever you use the name of Jesus, make sure it's in a way of, you know, praise or prayer. And finally, if you are in doubt, as far as what your archdiocese tells you about going to mass, just go anyway, but also bear in mind too, when you go to mass, you go from the beginning and then you also go to the end. Also, if I also may add, try to get to mass as early as possible. Now, granted, for families, it's a bit of a struggle because because maybe they're like young toddlers and they're like a little, they're like, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge to try to get them motivated to be like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, let's move it. You know, those kind of things. But then you know what? I mean, it, it does take a great deal of patience for it. But you know what? In the end, the kids are going to look up to like, you know, our parents took us to the church and you know what, we should be doing the same thing. So overall, like, you know, give thanks to God, pray to God. And he is, he's one God and he's, and he's the center of your life. Use Jesus, not in vain, but in thanksgiving, in prayer, and most importantly for his intercession. And, and also do not forget to attend mass and to get the most out of it, especially when you participate 
whether it is, you know, singing. Of course, St. Augustine once said, those who sing pray twice. And you may not realize it. You may be praying to God when you sing to Gloria. Well, that's just, that's just, um, that'll probably, that'll be coming back pretty soon as we're saying this is that we're getting to the tail end of Lent. But things like this front responsorial psalm, the, the Alleluia, even, you know, some of the traditional hints that are being offered during all the masses, if not the ones that are like, um, you know, you know, Protestant, you know, Protestant like hymns. So, <laughs> but of course, you know, just remember, it's always, you know, and remember the mass is all about Jesus. And, you know, it of course is his mystery, you know, his passion, death and resurrection. We, we may not even realize it, but that's what it really is all about. So get to mass, use Jesus in prayer. And finally, you know, make Jesus your, the center of your life. Oh, so important, Mickey. Well said. Great advice too for those first three commandments. And I must give you credit because it was your idea for us to put the three of those commandments together and it really, they really worked uh, well. Yeah. So I think some people were curious why we're all these merged together. Well, you may not realize it, but the first three commandments pertain to God. So that is why we figured, you know what, let's knock them all out at once. And let alone the fact too, like, I mean, these were, could be unpacked within, you know, an hour or less. Of course, some one, some were deeper than the other. But of course, then sometimes you have to, you know, go in a little deeper, such as when, you know, the third commandment, like, you know, say, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm not supposed to work. I, I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to go to mass on the holy days of obligation. And of course, we all know what they are. It's January 1st, the 40th day of Easter. The 15th of August, typically the Assumption. Uh, November 1st, All Saints Day. Can't forget that. Uh, December 8th, of course, in the United States. That's very, that's an essential holiday. That's an essential holiday because the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States of America. And of course, oh, North America in general. And everyone is definitely encouraged to attend Mass on that particular day. Yeah. Great reminders, Mickey. So please do uh, take up on Mickey's advice and not only remember Sunday mass, but remember all the holy days. I mean, it's so mm -hmm. important. Now we're coming. And to also, if, if I also may add one more thing too, please. maybe for Lent, if you haven't done so, or you have done this, well, if you did, I applaud you. But think about going to a, a mass, you know, not just on Sunday, but maybe a day during the week. So say, for example, maybe you have like a day off from work or if you have to go in late because of a medical appointment or whatever the case is, you know, go to daily mass. Now, face it, you will be ambushed by the novena, I call it the novena click, you know, all the retirees that probably are like praying a rosary or praying a novena prior to mass. And they'd be like, oh, we have a young person here. All right. <laughs> you got me ready to laugh story. out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Father Don Calloway, I, I loved how he really emphasized the Novena click. And let's face it, I mean, they could teach you something about being deep in your faith. So don't take him for granted. That's right. That's right. Now, of course, Mickey's referring to, to he's, he's in his 30s. And so if you are in that 30s or 20s crowd or even teen crowd, then yeah, the Novena uh, group will be very happy to see you at daily mass. So be warned and be warned and prepared. Amen. Uh, now I want to also invite you again, if you want to read more about the 10 commandments, right in the Bible, Exodus 20, 
chapters two to 17, Deuteronomy five, chapters uh, six to, uh, excuse me, verses six to 21. And I should back up again, Exodus chapter 20, verses two to 17. I thought I'd end with a reflection from the Holy Father on the resurrection because we're coming into Easter pretty soon. He says that because Jesus rose, we will rise. We have the hope of resurrection because he has opened to us the door of resurrection. And this transformation, this transfiguration of our bodies is prepared for in, for in this life by our relationship with Jesus in the sacraments, especially in the Eucharist. So that's by Pope Francis. And it goes right to the commandment on honoring the Sabbath. So again, Mickey, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Now we'll be here back again next month. For sure. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Anne. That's right. So everyone, uh, come and join us again. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us the next, the last Thursday of next month for the Families in Crisis podcast for the Ten Commandments series with Mickey Kelly and Ann DeSantis. We will see you all next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, visit nonatus.org or email director.srnf at gmail.com.